Morning. Morning. Grateful to be with you all here this morning. Those of you watching online as well here for our 9 o'clock service. As Kelly said in that video, this is the beginning of a new series, uh, but also a series of experiences uh, we've called Send Me. And the big idea of these next three weeks, four Sundays, really is captured in the words of Jesus from that video it's really the, you might say, the great commission of John's gospel when the resurrected Jesus said to his disciples, Peace be unto you, as the Father has sent me into the world, so I am sending you. That's the big idea of what we want to talk about over the next uh, many weeks. And you might say, in, in a very succinct way, that's the very purpose of the church that we are a part of here today. This is the purpose. Jesus didn't say those words just to these men and women, this humble group at the early beginning of the church. Every one of us needs to see ourselves on the receiving end of those words. That's what the church is. We have been sent into the world. It is the very mission of the church, the purpose of the church, that's you and me, to be sent into the world. So wherever we go, uh, most of us aren't getting on planes tomorrow for our jobs, whether we spend our time in our homes, whether we spend our time in our offices, students, teachers, schools. We have been sent into our communities to bring the message in winsome and thoughtful ways, right, in our everyday ways, through our gifts, our skills, our voices, to people around us um, who have yet to hear the message of God's love. Now, so the purpose of these three weeks, these four Sundays starting this morning, is really to, I'd say, awaken this calling that we already have. If you're a Christian, you have this calling. To awaken this calling and to help you engage a little bit more in it. Not only here on a Sunday morning, we'll have some sermons and we'll have some conversations, but really beyond it, there's a series of events as Kelly said, even beginning tonight, but they're throughout the next three weeks. Do not miss, this is the point, to awaken and engage in all of us the calling and the commitment to live out um, what Jesus is saying to you. He is sending you, he is sending to me. It's not only the purpose of the church, it's the purpose of our lives, really. And it's where we will find the most joy. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about that this morning. So we're going to begin today a little uh, different than normal Sunday. Uh, we're going to have, instead of a sermon, we're going to have a conversation. We have at Browncroft, many of you know, a number of partners. People that we partner with, both locally, Rochester, uh, 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 here in the United States, and globally that are our partners, extensions of the work that we are doing uh, in, in sending the gospel around the world. And so we have 12 of those partners here today, uh, in, in this week, I should say, the next several days. You'll see some of them, not just on this stage, but throughout the, uh, the main lobby in the cafe. That's one of the purposes. One of the ways you can engage is to meet them, say hello to them. Some of you are having them over for dinner. Don't miss the opportunity even today, right? Today, most of these 12 partners are here in and around the lobby. Make sure you take time to meet them, learn something about them. Maybe you can begin praying for them, etc. So that's the point of the next uh, three weeks and four Sundays. Now, this morning we have a conversation, and I have with me um, just three of our global partners. And we're just going to have a conversation about 
what they do, a little bit of what they do. So we want to learn something about them, but I hope it's more than learning. I hope they're here to inspire us uh, to, to, to take these words of Jesus seriously uh, in our own lives. As the Father hath sent uh, Jesus, so Jesus is sending me and Jesus is sending you. So who are these people? Let me start from uh, uh, your left to right. George and Sarah Saloom. Some of you would know them. George was saying, people still know me here. Uh, but George and Sarah, uh, they work, they've lived in Jordan for six years, uh, most recently. Uh, work in the Middle East, Central Asia. Uh, but they used to be a part of this church. They, they've been our partners since uh, 1998, but they were right here in the seats uh, many years ago. And uh, they have been working, as I say, in the Middle East. And Sarah recently also, she's worked along doing online work and for the organization they work for, other things, learning. She's a doctorate in leadership. You can talk to her about that. But most recently, she uh, has been working with the Perspectives Organization, does education, mission learning. Uh, some of you have taken this Perspectives course. So she, that's a new adventure for her. So we're grateful to have them here. Uh, Carol Brown is here, and her husband is somewhere over here. He's not on the stage today, but he are here. And they have been missionaries with us since 2014, so almost 10 years. And they have been working the last 11 years in Istanbul, Turkey. And Dan is an Islamic scholar and works at an institute there, helping to um, work with both Christians and uh, um, Muslim background people, learning together some joint learning that he's been doing. He's also working among the, the sort of the professional professor class, uh, doing his work uh, there in Istanbul. And Carol has worked for the last 11 years running a church-based refugee ministry, very different than what her husband does every day, uh, and, and, and she's been leading that effort and may have some things to say about that, so we're grateful for you guys to be here. So there's a little theme here, kind of the Middle East, and this couple, Lois and Mark Shaw, have been spent 35-ish or so, we were saying, uh, in, in Nairobi, Kenya, uh, working uh, in leadership uh, development also, working at some, a couple different uh, um, schools, doing leadership training, working with even pastors and leaders in, in, uh, in kind of a seminary setting. And they also, um, and Carol has worked alongside with some professional women there as well over many, many years. So this is who they are. And uh, I want to start kind of picking up where we left off in the last six weeks, seven weeks, we did the book of Acts. So I've been socializing these guys with where we have been as a church. And in the book of Acts, talking about the dynamics of spiritual life. And I, and, and I want to start there and ask this question to whoever wants to answer it on our panel. And that is, how important is prayer and the dependence on the Holy Spirit, something we've been talking about, in the work that you do. So, since you have a mic, Sarah, I'm going to start with you. You're going to need to give me a timer. Uh. It was a study of the book of Acts that started my journey. And it was study book of Acts in this church. And if I could rename the book, I would call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And I learned here first that prayer is as important as breathing. And I learned here that the Holy Spirit had been talking to me for a long time, but I wasn't listening. 
And it's really through many years of more listening prayer and more response in prayer that has taken us on the journey that we have been on. And honestly, the more we depend on prayer and the Holy Spirit, I think the more we grow in our trust of the Lord and that his plan is good and that he does provide everything we need to do or to go wherever he says. And it is, again, through prayer and the Holy Spirit, day by day by day, there is no decision we make that we do not pray about. Um, one of the most important verses for me that to me speaks to this and is a reminder is from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. And it wasn't until study of the book of Acts that I said, you know what? I want that. I want that. And so my prayer was, Lord, I want that. And it was like he was just asking. He was just waiting for me to ask. So um, the Holy Spirit and I, we, we got to walk like this. And honestly, I spend more time in prayer than I do reading the scriptures. Well, we're not going to complain about that. <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, others. Carol. How important is prayer and the dependence of the Holy Spirit in your ministry? The question gives the answer, which is very. Um, and Sarah said breathing. And yes, it is our breath in the sense that prayer is the conversation we have with the living God as followers of Jesus. And living in the Muslim world, you have an auditory reminder five times a day of the call to prayer. Mm. And it's just that, that life is infused with prayer, and it is dependent on prayer. We all just said, we need you, Lord. That was a corporate prayer that we cried out. And in my work, um, I would say that's probably one of my common prayers is, Lord, help. Because we don't have the capacity to meet the needs of others when their needs are so beyond. And so to cry out to the living God... I remember often I come into the office and I'm met with a passageway of women that are in need. And then I close a gate because we get all, we gather for the day and then we begin the process. And that can itself just be that reminder of, I need you, Lord. And mm. it's the breathing. Um, so then I come in and I turn on my computer and Microsoft graciously gives me these reminders. And there's a mountain, and it's like I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes mm. from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. And it's because he's the living God, has invited us into relationship, that we can talk to him all the time. Would you ever not communicate with your spouse? That, that's when we know there's a problem if we're not communicating with the living God. So Amen. prayer is essential to being able to serve those who are in need and vulnerable. Amen. Amen. And you know, in your own walk and able to serve. Amen. Mark, anything? Go for it. Yeah, I think one of the uh, experiences that we've had in, in Africa is, is watching um, African Christians pray. And uh, 
if we have a need, we share it because uh, they pray in ways that you know, we only read about. Um, one of the par uh, pieces of African traditional religion, you know, even before Christianity came, was that um, spiritual power is the key to shaping you know, real-world uh, reality and meeting real-world needs. It's just deeply embedded in the African soul. And so when the gospel came and they, they uh, came to Christ in huge numbers, uh, they brought that with them, that conviction that you want something solved, something practical, something every day, you pray because real-world needs are shaped and met by spiritual power. And so they bring that, that deep conviction. Uh, I didn't grow up with that conviction. Uh, I have to learn it, but uh, it's wonderful to see Christians who believe in prayer from uh, in the very marrow of their being. Yeah. Amen. Speaking of that, you're taking your inspiration from, as you say, many of the people who came to Christ in, in your ministry uh, in, in Kenya. I want to talk about how God is at work in the world. And, you know, we, all of us live busy lives. Wherever you live, we all live, most of us here in Rochester, uh, in, in western New York. And, you know, it's hard to lift your eyes above your own issues and problems and everyday needs. And sometimes we can think, as part of the beauty of sh talking with uh, partners like these and having conversations some of you will have hopefully over the next few weeks, is God's doing things in other parts of the world. This, the world that you and I live in, I'm talking about here in, in our, uh, even in this country, is not the whole world. So I want you guys to take a minute, uh, each of you if you can, or each couple anyway, and tell us about how God is at work um, in your corner of the world that is the corners of the world that you serve. I guess you're looking at me, right, Rob? Sure. Okay. <laughs> so living in the Middle East, specifically Jordan, um, we have relationships with many people in that part of the world. And, a, and an amazing phenomenon that's been going on for years is happening now and we anticipate to continue to go on is this thing you've heard of visions and dreams among the Muslim people groups of North Africa, Middle East, even into Central Asia, in the thousands. So typically these people have a vision of Jesus, and he usually has his hands out, and sometimes he says something to these people, very personalized. He'll say the person's name. He'll say why, or come, or love me, or I love you. These things that are really impactful and personal for these people now, here's the catch. They have questions about who is this Jesus, but they don't know someone who's a follower of Jesus to help them explain who this person is and what this means. There's no one to translate this message to them. So as workers, we pray for laborers for the harvest, so we have people who are there at the moment to give them the truth of the gospel and who Jesus is. Otherwise, they go to their imams who will tell them it's either God testing you or Satan tempting you. And then they quickly forget about it and nothing happens. So pray for these people. Amen. Amen. The uh, uh, situation in Africa, uh, if you were there in 1900, there were a handful of Christians. Uh, but today in a continent of over a billion people, half of them proclaim Christ as their Lord and Savior. Uh, it's been this incredibly rapid uh, turning to the gospel uh, over this century. But we hear the statistic, but we don't, what we don't always hear is that most of these converts are under 20. 
or under 25. It's, it's a youth revival that's going on all across Africa. Uh, we bemoan, you know, the rise of the nuns uh, in, in America. We're losing this generation from uh, eight, 18 to the mid-20s. Uh, that's the very heart of African Christianity right now. Uh, they are strongest where we are weakest. And, and to see that, to see the potential, God can do here what he's doing now in Africa. You know, it's so interesting. I just read an article, it might have been the day before yesterday, from The Economist magazine. Uh, if you know that magazine, it was exactly what you're talking about. It said, it wasn't, talking, it wasn't it was about lying, Christianity you know? uh, per se. Yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah. Checking your math here, Mark. But, but what it said, it wasn't about Christianity, but it was about, it said Africa um, is emerging as the youngest continent in the world, and it talked all about what you just got done talking about, and it was the implications of what will this mean in the next uh, uh, generation. So, uh, so that's an amazing thing, and, and I, I so appreciate what you just said because I've noticed here, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago in church, that even in this country, which we have you know, all our woes, uh, you know, talking about American culture, but there's this right hidden in plain sight, a lot of young people, from our college campuses in particular, where the gospel seems to be moving right in, in, in hidden in plain sight. So that's a very encouraging uh, thing to hear. Carol, how about you? Following on from what George said, Turkey is one of those countries where people have a very little chance to meet an actual follower of Jesus. There's 83 million people, and the current population of the evangelical Christian church is about 7,000, so you can do your math. 7,000 Christians spread around the country where there's 83 million people. Um, so it, God is at work. He is drawing people to himself, and he works through circumstances like earthquakes. There were two earthquakes in February, twin earthquakes in Turkey, and the church was already ready to respond with an arm of the church. Because they're small, they are united. They work together on things, and they had a relief or organization in place to respond, and they have been well-received, and it has been a gift to see how they work together, and they have discovered some of the people that have stories of how God met them in the earthquake. And then a believer comes along to help them, and they want to hear. So God is at work. And the church that cooperates together because they set aside what might separate them, and they come together on what unites them. And where I work, it's been 32 years that the churches of downtown Istanbul have served together actively working in serving the refugee community. And that's not one church. It's it's a very broad umbrella of the church working together because they need to be united. Yeah, one thing that you told me, we don't have a lot of time this morning, but it's so interesting, maybe, maybe you'll talk about it more this week, is this uh, church-based uh, uh, refugee ministry that you've overseen for many years, and it is kind of unprecedented of the church leaders, different denominations and backgrounds that have worked together. That is fascinating. You can say a word or two about it. But what we also should keep in mind, if, if those of us don't know it, is the New Testament church 
more or less the churches listed in the New Testament, most of them were in what we would call modern-day Turkey today. So that's fascinating. Do, do people talk about that? I mean, the, those 7,000, do they, do they, is that a common understanding that the Church of Jesus Christ was kind of born in the country of what we call today Turkey? They do, definitely. Yeah. They, they are aware of that. And the place that the earthquake hit was Antioch, where people were first called Christians. Yeah. Antioch is gone. Historic Antioch is gone. But, yes, the, um, the church leaders came together in 2014, and they talked together, and they created a book. You can get it on Amazon. And it's The Fundamentals of Christianity, and it is a document signed by the Greek Orthodox Patriarch, the Armenian Orthodox Patriarch, the Syriac Church, the, all the all the Catholic bishops and the Protestant leaders signed this document. Nothing like it since the Nicene Creed. That's the church when it's in the minority and they come together to work together. That's and we have, a, we have a Turkish friend who is um, a Muslim colleague and she's taking archaeology right now and wants to become a tour guide and it's her second career. And we met her off chance, God's, God's design as she was taking one of her archaeology tours at one of the seven churches. Wow, amazing, amazing. I have, I was, I was telling uh, Dan and Carol, I just had a chance to just pass through Istanbul uh, uh, this summer, but I would love to visit your city. And uh, it's one of the... Hoşgeldiniz. Yeah. It, it's, what is, what did you say? Hoşgeldiniz. Your coming brings happiness. Oh, that's Turkish. That's Turkish. Amen. Yeah. But it is one of the um, largest cities, and many say one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Yeah, Istanbul. So, question to kind of dive a little deeper into your, your lives. Uh, what would you say if you guys would say, if you, if, you, if you would like to answer this question, any of you, what's one of the greatest spiritual lessons or truths that you have learned from the Bible, from life, um, over the last, whether it's the last year or so, and the reason I ask this question, one, to get to know you a little bit better, but I think some people, maybe, I don't know, maybe not a lot of us, but sometimes we, we tend to think that, you know, people that are in, I don't want to call it vocational ministry around the world, whatever the right way to say it is, people that do what you guys do are... Um, you know, I don't know, you're graduate, you're graduate Christians or something. So um, we, we know that you uh, put your pants on one leg at a time, and, and it encourages us to know that God is still very much at work. So what um, spiritual lesson or truth uh, would you say that's a standout one that may have, um, you've learned over the last season of your life? Go ahead, George, you got a mic? Go for it. Well, because I'm a spiritual giant, yeah. um, and I've got the gift of impatience, and I know many people have the gift of impatience, right? Um, it's a gift I keep trying to get rid of, but it keeps on coming back. I try to give it away. But during the COVID um, epidemic back in 2020, uh, it, part of my, ro my role is to help start new ministries in places where there's no workers, where there's no work, uh, where the gospel really has not penetrated yet. So that mean, <clears throat> excuse me, means a lot of traveling, connecting with people, partnering people. And so when COVID hit, I couldn't travel. I couldn't leave Jordan. The, the borders were closed. The airport was closed. There's no cars on the road. They were trying to manage the epidemic there. And that really, for the first time in my life, I was discouraged. And as an impatient person trying to get things done, I felt really depressed for the first time. 
and I'm not normally a depressed person. I'm pretty fairly outgoing. Um, so I obviously Sarah talked about prayer and relying on the Holy Spirit, and I couldn't even do that. Even that was hard. But I did come across a verse one day in Psalm 5. I'll paraphrase 1 to 3, talking about, I bring my request to you every day, God, and yet you don't hear me. I, I cry out, and, and there's no response. But then verse 3 says, and yet I wait expectantly. And if you know, there's a real close connection between the word patience and expectancy, or impatience and expectancy. And at that moment, like, the light bulb went on. And it's like, oh, if I just wait expectantly, this impatience will turn to patience, and then you'll do something. And I'm not going to go into the story, but within three days, the, my world was thrown upside down in the midst of COVID, mm -hmm. and I was able to work with a church in Uzbekistan, just like that. And then we started seeing all these people come to faith in Uzbekistan over the web, over Zoom. And so it was an amazing thing that God allowed me to use my gift of impatience in a, in a unique way. Amen. Lois, how about you? Yes, um, there's a principle of education that says spaced repetition is the key to learning. And um, God has used the story of the prodigal sons in my life over and over and over again. And just recently, he's brought it back to me um, in a very, we're kind of in a difficult situation right now in our regular life as an extended family. And it's been very hard for me because I like to fix things and I want things to go right. And... I, I feel like, uh, why is this the way it is? And I'm sure many of us have challenges in our families where we just think, I, I could fix this, Lord, if you would just let me. And um, I, look, I looked at the story just recently again of the story of the prodigal sons, and the younger son went away and did everything wrong and came back, and the father threw them this amazing party. And the older son is saying, I've been with you all this time, and I've done everything you asked me to do. Where's my party? And it brought that principle out to me again that a lot of the things that I tend to do, I do out of duty. I'm a duty-oriented person. I make my to-do list, and I, I do the right thing. And yet um, the Lord was saying to the, the father was saying to the elder brother, I'm with you. It's me that matters, the desire for me. And it, it brought that back to me again. It's my relationship with Jesus, my love for him that, that I really need to um, care about, not what I'm doing, but who I love. So I'm trying again. It's another lesson, and I probably have it again, that um, I want to move from a life of duty, which is very easy for global workers to get it into, to a life of desire and passion mm. for his beauty and, and, a, and a relationship with him. Beautiful. Beautiful. Mark? What was the question? The question is, <laughs> you were so captivated by your wife's, uh, a great, the greatest spiritual lesson or truth that you have learned over the last season in your life. Yeah, I, it's remarkably uh, similar to, to George's. And, and uh, this, you know, we're, we're called to live by faith. That's the mark of the people of God from Abraham forward. We live by faith in the promises of God. That, that's what sets us apart from everybody else. We have different promises, and we live by them, by faith. Don't see them yet, but we live by them. We trust in God. And, uh, and yet, I've realized that... Um, 
what I've done with my faith a lot is uh, fail to make this distinction between expectancy and expectations. Now, expectations are, are this grocery list that I have on the refrigerator of my heart uh, that says, I'm living by faith and trusting in your promises and you are going to do one, two, three. You know, it's, I've got very specific ways in which I want God to fulfill his promises. Mm. And uh, you get disappointed because, uh, you know, you find out that God actually has his own agenda, you know. Mm, yeah. How has that happened? Yeah. And then, uh, but, but what keeps, you know, from getting into the death spiral of discouragement is, is moving your faith from expectations to expectancy. You know, what would happen if I let God choose what to do in this situation or in the future? What would, I ha what would happen if I expanded my imagination and let God be free to be God, you know? Mm. And just making that shift and, and fighting to make that sh shift has really been a, a big thing in this last year. Amen. Uh, a faith, living by faith, but moving from an expectations faith to an expectancy faith, letting God be God and surprising me. You know, That's nice. That's a great line from an expectations faith to an, ex say it again, you say it better than <laughs> Something me. Something like that. Yeah, what yeah. Do you, yeah. From expectations to yeah, an expectancy. An expectations faith with my list to an expectancy faith that nice. lets God be God. Amen. Amen. One of the other things, um, you know, we talk about great spiritual truths or lessons, sometimes we think hard things and they are hard things sometimes they're great truths you know as you said lois and mark but sometimes they're joys so i'm going to pick on carol when you think about as you and i were talking about this a little bit i didn't have the answer but i know you 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 mentioned a great uh joy uh maybe that uh surprise joy tell us a little bit about that in the last season of your life um i will um, begin it by saying that there are hard pieces and that's where sometimes you're surprised by joy and in working with our refugee community it's weighty and the joy for me is being able to connect scripture and life being a in my own heart and in the life of somebody who's sitting in front of me with struggles um, so a woman who comes who's had a 40-day journey from Afghanistan into Turkey, makes her way to Istanbul with her husband and her one-year-old child. Her husband finds a job, they are settled, and then he's deported. And someone in the park tells her, go there, they'll help you. They know how to answer things. That's the reputation that we've had. You can't answer that. You're a woman who's alone, and you're lost, and you don't have a way back, and you don't have a way forward. So you listen, and you cry out to the Lord, and his word says, I met Hagar. I'm the God who sees. I'm the God of compassion. I care. And that's who you introduce this woman to, the God who sees, the God who cares. And the joy is connecting scripture and life and seeing that spark of, really, a God who can care about this, who can carry this, so in your world, connecting scripture and life enlivens our everyday worlds and the burdens that we might carry. Amen, amen. So let me ask a, another question. Anyone can take it. Sarah, grab the mic. I don't know if you want to take it, but, uh, um, and we won't get, but one of the things that we just, I just want to sort of step in the water this morning. We'll do more of this 
um, in the rest of this uh, series, and we'll probably end on uh, the last Sunday on this topic of, you know, I guess talking to people about the faith. Let's, uh, there's a, 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 a phrase we've used around here a little bit, began to socialize it called having a spiritual conversation. And sometimes I think we think it's very different in, in, you know, in some far corner of the world than it is here, and maybe there are differences, but if you could give us, any of you, some advice on you know, what's most important, maybe a principle, because it trans- has to translate, when you think about having spiritual conversations with people who, who we all live with, with who, who do not um, you know, have a, a faith in Jesus today. I would say it's not a conversation, it's an identity. Um, The conversation will flow out of who they see you to be. And we are very blatant, and this this seems to surprise people. Uh, Muslims are religious people. They believe in a God. Um, They love to talk. They love to have those kinds of conversations. So... The first thing we want people to know, whether we're there or whether we're here, that our identity, we are followers of Jesus. That's that's my identity. That's and so everything that I say, everything that I do should should reflect that. And once they know our identity, the conversation just opens up. I find it harder here. All right? Some people want to have that conversation. Some people don't. But you can figure that out pretty quickly. If my identity, if someone says, you know, Sarah, tell me something about yourself, the first thing I want to say is, well, first thing is I'm a follower of Jesus. And if they want to talk more about that, we talk more about that. But I think it's more with how we identify ourselves. I know the question often here, as I recall, is, so what, what do you do? Right? And there, people are just trying to f- learn about you. And in, in this culture, it's more about what you do. Like, well, I'm, I'm an engineer. I'm an accountant. I'm a this. Flip that. You flip that. I'm a follower of Jesus, but I work in higher education. So that, so that your identity is not your, your, your skill set. Your identity is in Christ. And that's, that's how we view ourselves, in, certainly in, in the global environment. I'm a follower of Jesus first. And that's the most important thing I want you to know about me. We can talk about whatever you want to talk about. But that's first. Mm-hmm. That's first. And, to, and it's true when, you know, always be ready. Um, to give an answer to anyone who asks you, right? That the, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and it's really tricky when you're just learning the language. Uh, yeah. It, it's, it's really tricky. Um, real, real, real short little story. We lived in a building of a Muslim family, and it was a stairwell only, and we'd have, we were up on the higher levels. So coming up and down the stairs, often I would, get, I would get stopped in the hallway by one of the women. Come, you know, have coffee, whatever. And I was on my way out. I agreed to stop. <laughs> There's no stopping for coffee. Um, but I said, I, I have to go to my, my class. I was going to a Pilates class, but I'll stop and have coffee. And so... Um, 
we visit a while. I'm trying my Arabic as best I can. I start the 15-minute goodbye because you got to give it 15 minutes. And I literally am picking up my gym bag, and one of the women decides she wants to talk about who Jesus is. I put my bag back down, and I just pray, Lord, give me the words, because obviously we're not going to Pilates. Right. So I, I love what you're saying, and I, I, I'm thinking in my own life, just that last thing you said. Do Am I ready not only to be always ready to give an answer, uh, as Peter says in, in the epistle but am I ready to spend the time so uh, and and um, that's a I feel that check in my gut often and if someone is open am I ready to spend the time so that's a great great um, encouragement and challenge I'm going to give you the last word Lois on this uh, question because I know we talked a little bit about it but when you think about this idea of spiritual conversations yes I I sort of grew up with the are you ready um, burden um, and, you know, read evidence that demands a verdict. and Josh McDowell. Yeah, yep. learned the four spiritual laws and learned the, all these different ways to be ready to give away my faith. And it put such a burden on me because it made me nervous. And I, I thought, what if I forget to say something? And what if I'm not very good at this? And whatever. And of late in my life, um, I've begun to use the conversation where... I'm asking somebody else to tell me their story. Tell me about your spiritual journey. I'd love to hear your story. And when people start telling you their story, then you can um, identify with it and then talk about what helped you in that kind of circumstance in your life. So that has been um, a, re a relief to me, that I don't have to academically make sure I can explain how the Bible is true and all these things, because I'm not a, a very good debater, but I'm a, I love to share stories, and I love to hear other people's stories. So that, that helps me to think about it that way. Talk, listen before I start talking. And then the second thing that the Lord has really helped me with, me with and it's through a, a global worker in New York, who has a ministry of walking around and praying for people. Amen. Just seeing people that look discouraged and just coming up to them and saying, can we pray, can I pray for you? Do you have something? And she said, New Yorkers, they love it. And so I've started doing that and it's fun. It's so easy when somebody shares something with you. In fact, last night, my host and hostess Cynthia and I went out for dinner our waitress was totally frazzled. There was not enough work, people working, and the food got mixed up, and she was really anxious, and we started chatting, and, and Cynthia kept saying, don't worry, don't worry, don't say you're sorry. And then I just said, could we pray for you? We will pray for you. We didn't pray for her right then. It was too busy. But would you like us to pray for you? And she said, oh, yes. And then she started telling us her story a little bit. And then we said, well, you know, if you really wanted it's uh, Christina. If you're here, that's great. We said we we go to Browncroft, and she said other people have come into this restaurant and told me about Browncroft. I think I need to go. So uh -huh. it was just a very easy, comfortable way, just saying that simple thing. Can I pray for you? And that's given me relief. Well, you know, a friend of mine said to me long, long time ago. He was a professional counselor, but a follower of Christ, and he said, um, I think we were talking about his work, and he said, you know, people's. Um, their best subject is themselves. 
and he didn't mean that in a negative way, but he said, in other words, the, of all the things you know, you could be a doctor, a lawyer, a plumber, whatever you do, you, you know the most about yourself. And simply asking people about themselves, you mentioned spiritual journey, could be anything, is a great uh, principle. So we are out of time. So give, do, do me a favor and give a hand to these friends, would you? Uh, and I hope this is a, a beginning, not an end. That is, uh, for you all, you can, I'm, they're not in a hurry, so you can come and say hello to them even as soon as I say amen. Please do take advantage of those who are in the lobby in the cafe this morning and get engaged. Go to the website. I don't know if Kelly mentioned that, but it's right on the top of the website. It says there's a button and there's a series of events. And let me stop, let me end with two. One is tonight, six o'clock in here, uh, we're going to just take a time to pray. And I hope most of that hour-ish will be just praying, guided prayer for some of our partners and um, for our, our ministries. So that's an opportunity. As we were saying, we started this hour, right? The most important thing we can do is pray. That's really the focus of, of tonight's time. And then let me end with a, a, something that's not on the schedule. So this is a audible, okay? And it's a, I want to have a conversation uh, in prayer about the situation in the Middle East. Now, why do that, Rob? Um, uh, and I'll tell you why I thought of that. Um, of course, this is a, a situation we're all thinking about. It's very live and active, and it's um, challenging to uh, the world, and it's, uh, it's heavy, uh, as Jason mentioned earlier. But So why bring that into our mission's time, right? Uh, but the reason I thought of that is because two of our missionary partners, uh, one who happens to be on the stage, really two, but uh, Dan is not with his wife, Carol. He's here somewhere. There he is, right? Dan, throw your hand up so we know who you are. Uh, but anyway, uh, George is, uh, and, and, and Sarah have not only lived in the Middle East for some time, he mentioned Jordan, but George himself is a Palestinian. I, I, I have to say you may be the only Palestinian that I know. I didn't, didn't know one guy in Dallas, but in other words, I don't know a lot of Palestinians. So um, I thought to myself, boy, I'll bet you he knows things that I don't know uh, about uh, this situation. And Dan, who is not up here, but he and Carol live in Istanbul, he's an Islamic scholar. I'm sitting at my house and I see a book on my shelf that he gave me years ago. He's written more than one, but a, a, a book on Islam. So here's a man who's a scholar and works in a, uh, and leads an institute. And I thought, I'll bet these two guys know a thing or two that would be helpful. So we're going to get together here in this room on Wednesday. We're not going to debate politics. We're not, that's not the point. It's really to learn from these men, maybe learn a little bit about the church that we don't know about, and to pray. So that's the other thing we're going to do here Wednesday. Hope to see you there. Amen? Let me pray for us, and we'll be done. God and Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. Thank you for these uh, friends and partners, not only here uh, on this platform with me, but those around the campus. And just pray your blessing on our time, your blessing on uh, this day and this uh, season, this week and weeks. And I just, uh, we love you. And just help us, Lord, to take these words uh, help them, us to hear Jesus' words that we started with uh, all the more. Uh, may we personalize them, hear them for our own lives. Hear 
you know, uh, as the Father hath sent me, uh, I am sending you. Help us to, to, to think about that even today in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great Sunday.